0: So, when The Atlantic published a piece by John Lovett last August titled Looking Backward on the Presidency of Donald Trump, it wasn't taken as a partisan smear, but as a satirical critique of our media environment, a reductio ad absurdum. That's how we took it anyway, and so we made an audio version. Now, seven months later, we'll use it to end this show, because it may turn out to be a pretty good, if unintentional, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome President of the United States, Donald Trump. It was the terrific leader of India, Gandhi, who said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they attack you, and then you win. Well, we won, didn't we? That's how President Donald Trump began his inaugural address, that clear morning in January of 2017. The fact that Gandhi never said those words was among the very least of our problems. Besides, the line drew rapturous applause from the crowd. According to a joint statement released by the White House and Nielsen, the Trump inaugural drew the largest television audience in human history. As President Trump himself pointed out in his second press availability that afternoon, the numbers would only go up once you factored in DVR. It's amazing, isn't it, how adaptable we are as human beings. It was only a year earlier that Trump was a punchline. Let's take a look at the pros and the cons of Donald Trump running for president. Pro, his campaign will do well in the flyover states. Khan, his hair will do well in the comb-over states. That's very, it's very important. Very important to the race. Obviously, everyone knew he could never actually get anywhere once the votes were cast. American democracy was too robust to let that happen. He was too dangerous to win. And to win would be too dangerous. It couldn't happen because it couldn't happen. And then, just like that, it did. On the East Coast, we've got poll closings in California, Hawaii, Idaho. Boston at Faneuil Hall Marketplace right now. People are stopping to watch election results on CNN as we get closer to another important round. He won the nomination, and then he won the general election. It wasn't more complicated than that. Some have compared the tenor of the news on election night to the coverage of a tragedy or disaster. House Republican leaders are scrambling tonight. There's still a lot of confusion and disappointment. What a long, strange, and at times very angry trip it's been. But that's not exactly right. It wasn't like a meteor strike. It was more like finding out a meteor is heading our way. The anchors were dazed and somber. There was a real effort on the part of journalists to assuage viewers. Twitter was a shit show. But Twitter is always a shit show. Many immediately expressed their regret for voting Trump. Some had just wanted to register a protest. The next morning, President Obama declared a bank holiday to the chagrin of President elect Trump, who blamed the fear mongering of Washington elites for the massive sell off roiling global markets. The market is in free fall, trillions of dollars in value wiped out, stocks have crashed. No one seemed more surprised by the returns than the Donald himself, who, at the one moment in his life when it was truly needed, couldn't muster the bravura for which he was famous. Being elected president made him seem tiny. Of course it did. Those were the darkest moments. Yet in the dull terror of those first days, there were the stirrings of redemption. You could see it in the pride that journalists, even cynical, sneering political reporters, took in covering this historic and surprising transition. You could see it on display in the meetings that President Obama and the White House staff held almost round-the-clock with congressional leaders and aides of both parties. The time for bickering is over. We must take our country back! But most of all, you could see it everywhere. Everyone was talking about the news, Everyone was watching and reading the news. There was a sense in those weeks between Election Day and Inauguration Day that Americans were all in this together, preparing, girding for what we didn't know. And maybe it's crazy, but we grew closer to each other, kinder, as we participated in this event as one country. Mr. President, the Republican majority here in the House stands ready to work with you to do what's best for our country. By the time President Trump raised his right hand and swore to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, the Constitution itself had been enlisted. We have an opportunity right now to take up the bill that the House just passed by an overwhelming bipartisan majority, enacted into law by unanimous consent, and send it to the president so he can sign it. In what Trump supporters called the Christmas coup, and what everyone else called a historic act of national preservation, President Obama signed into law a bill which reasserted congressional primacy over the republic and stripped away the presidential prerogatives that had accrued over the previous century. In a talk at the Heritage Foundation, Chief Justice John Roberts, speaking only hypothetically, of course, suggested such a law would survive judicial review. You can imagine how that went. Anyway... There's no need to belabor the details of how the next four years unfolded. The government confirms that many more people were joining the nation's unemployment lines last month. A giant wall across our entire southern border to stop the children from coming. Good morning in this poll, the president's approval rating is at an all-time low. The budget crisis, President Trump's impeachment, Vice President Cruz's inauguration, the second budget crisis, it's all pretty straightforward. It was a painful and frightening time, to be sure. And while it didn't bring about the collapse of society, it did hurt us. Our economy suffered, as did our standing in the world. Relations with Mexico remained tense. One bright spot. We elected a man who loves to name things after himself, but all we named after him is the Trump recession. The irony was almost worth the price. And maybe it was a price the American people had to pay. Maybe Trump was a mirror, and we hated him because we hated what we saw in our reflection. We were coasting, and knew it. A generation of elites prized shamelessness and ambition over virtue. Our newness and pride as a nation didn't protect us from decadence, but it did allow us to ignore it glued to our grievances and our phones as our culture and politics grew ever more brittle and shallow and crass. In the end, Trump is what America had earned. Trump is what America deserved. Trump was our reckoning. And while his rise to power was born of our failings, it also forced us to find our strength. It's amazing how adaptable we are as human beings, isn't it? Trump saved us. Now it's all up to President Fieri. Hey, how you doing? I'm here on the rooftop with this fantastic recipe of making some flank steak kebabs. That's it for this week's show. On the Media is produced by Kimmy Regler, Mira Sharma, Alana Casanova Burgess, Jesse Brenneman, and Mytha Lee Rao. We had more help from David Conrad, and our show was edited by Brooke. Our technical director is Jennifer Munson. Our engineer this week was Casey Holford. The voice of our mockumentary was Andy Lancet. Kat Rogers is our executive producer. Jim Schachter is WNYC's vice president for news. On the Media is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Brooke Gladstone. And I'm Bob Garfield. Support for On the Media comes from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the Overbrook Foundation, and the listeners of WNYC Radio.